0: Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of More Like Him, a podcast about everyday moments with God. Today, I am chatting with the wonderful Ruth Baker. (laughs) Ruth is a woman I met through the ministry of a former church and who I feel like I knew a lot about before I actually got to know her. She's a funny, caring woman who is super proud of her British heritage and enjoys talking to those who have a fondness for the UK too, of which I am one of. She loves chip butties. She loves a reading. Tea. Yeah, yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah. She loves a good cup of tea. She is a writer. Yeah, she's drinking one now. I she's am. a writer and she thinks a lot about what faith looks like in practice. And I've been really encouraged and challenged in the ways that she thinks and she writes about this. She's a mum to two beautiful boys and she has one very cuddly and companionable puppy who is almost... Two puppies now?
1: You have two? I have a three-year-old spoodle and a 12-week-old schnoodle. They're very cute and I'm constantly seeing photos of
0: Ruth's puppies sitting on her head or her shoulder or just lounging on her feet while she's working. (laughs) It is so great to have a chance to chat with you today, Ruth.
1: Thank you. And thank you for just reading out my CV. That's, that's what that sounded like.
0: Well, you are most welcome. Anytime <laughs> someone needs a CV written, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> so we are here today to talk about how you came to know Jesus. So yep. can you tell us, how did you come to know who Jesus was?
1: Um, I feel like there's a short version and a long version, right? The short version is when I got married out in Australia, um, I was living in Piedmont, Um, My soon-to-be husband lived out here in the West, down near Penrith. And um, when I moved out here, I knew nobody. Mm. And the only Christian in my very atheist family was my great-aunt, who was kind of crusty and powdery. You know, you can imagine... Cardigan wearing great aunt yep. living up in the Shetland Islands. She was a member of a church, and so I knew enough from her to know. Well, if you don't know anyone, you go to church, and that's where you meet people, right? Mm-hmm. So came out here, walked into church, just to meet people. Heard the sermon and thought, well, that's not what I thought this was all about. Mm. Um, and went back and went back, and within three months had become a Christian, had made the decision. And so that's the kind of short version. But then when, of course, you look back, um, I can see God preparing me to meet him from about 1996, um, where he was just kind of dropping little, just little crumbs for me to follow. You know, Um, like back in 96 is the first time I remember in my gap year from uni, looking out over this just beautiful scene in Ireland thinking, wow, you know, there has to be a God. This is so stunningly beautiful. There has to be a God. Mm. And then, of course, didn't think anything further of it. And so little things like that, all the way from 1996 through to, you know, 2008 or whatever. Yeah. So that I was fully prepared and ready on the day that I walked into the church and heard the sermon that then changed everything. Wow.
0: Like... I mean, I, I know God works in amazing ways, but hearing those seeds that he'd been oh, planting. So
1: detailed, so detailed. Like oh. yeah, I keep looking back going, because my my family are all atheists yeah, uh, and agnostics. Like they're, they're a kind of, um, I grew up in the 70s. They're like super lefty, hippie. And in you know, the UK, right? In the UK, yeah, all like super artistic and so very left-leaning, all very righteous in you know that secular kind of way. Uh-huh. So there was like absolutely nothing in my life that would have led me to Jesus at all. And so it really did require God planting those little seeds for me to, to follow, to bring me to him.
0: And yet, in the end, it was your great aunt, who wasn't a Christian at all, who actually pointed you to church where you would yes. find God.
1: Yeah, because she was on her own in the Shetland Islands, and 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 it was her church that kept her going. So you go, oh, right, well, church is where you find community.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, particularly somewhere like the Shetland Islands, because I know that's a yeah. very small, isolated
1: community. Yes, it is.
0: But so amazing still that God's church would be forming that stronghold for their community, which, you know, like your aunt goes, great aunt goes there or went there, but was never a
1: Christian. Oh, she was, um, uh, she was a believer. She was an an attender of church, but I don't know if she was a Christian, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if she was like a traditional church goer type person as opposed to a born again Christian or yeah. I don't know if she'd ever had a moment.
0: But whatever she was, praise mm. the
1: Lord, she
0: spoke words to you that actually yeah. led you to going to church in this yeah. process of you living across the world from your family and friends.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. So then what was the thing, and there may have been many things, but yeah. what, what was the thing at that point that needed to change in you for you to live as a Christian?
1: I think initially for me it was a very – intellectual exercise because when I first heard those sermons and I can't even remember now what they were to yeah. be honest. But it was it was such a a shift in thinking that it was like, well, it, it's almost like the world got turned on its head. Because it's mm. like, well, I've been completely wrong about this. And so I need to reevaluate everything. Yeah. And so I did like Christianity explained and I did, I was reading like crazy. I was reading uh, history books on the church and I did uh, the preliminary theology certificate at more college, did everything online that I could. Cause I felt like, like I've come to this really late. I'm like in my thirties, everybody knows this stuff. I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and intellectually, I just needed to work this out. Like what, how, what, how <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to reevaluate what this means. Mm-hmm. Um, And so intellectually, as I was working through the theology and the narrative then, so theology on one side, the narrative of what Jesus did and who he was and what that meant, um, it then changed my entire outlook. And then that, so that's the real thing that changed, I think, was my intellectual outlook on life. And then it was from that, that all the other things started to change, the sort of heart changes and the, you know, behavior changes and all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah but it really did. It flipped everything on its head. I was so shocked.
0: yeah, I can imagine for some of the people listening that they're kind of in awe of this life change and this moment of i mean God just pulling all the pieces together in mm. your life. because for many of us, it's a very slow drip of we've heard mm. the Bible from the beginning of our life, and that's a really um precious thing, but it also means that at times we forget how amazing it is that God actually does turn our whole lives upside down. like, And every step of the way, it's for the best.
1: Oh, totally. And I got to say, actually, because I I have so many friends who say, oh, my testimony is so boring, you know, like, and they're quite embarrassed by it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 never be embarrassed because that is exactly what I pray for my two kids. I pray Mm. that they have a really boring testimony that they never doubt that they, mm. that they work it out for themselves, of course, but that they never have th- those years of rebellion because I've been in the alternative scenario. And the one thing that I know 100% now mm. is that the way that I was living is absolutely not the way to live. It was, mm. you know, and at the time I thought it was a great life because I could do whatever I wanted and, yeah. you know, it could, you could literally do anything. You ruled your own life. Yeah. But now being on this side of the cross,
0: mm.
1: I look back and go, oh, gosh, it was just a very slow death. Yeah. A very, yeah. very slow death. And so I don't want them to have any part of their life where they do that and then make mistakes and look back with shame and mm. have those decisions then color the rest of their lives and and so on. So, I, yes, I I pray that people have very boring testimonies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you from, I've done loads of interviews now with people asking them about their journey, coming to who Jesus was. And it might not be a bombshell initial moment, but every testimony has some amazing things that God has, has done in their lives, ways where they can clearly look back and see that God was at work in various points. So, yeah, I think, I think we too often jump to that place where the testimony is all about that initial moment and we forget how exciting and valuable and encouraging every other moment after that is as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. Cause yes. it's, it's kind of, there are moments all the time since then. Yeah. But you know, and you kind of, you get into a bit of a, into a bit of a rut and then something happens. and You're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. There he is again. Yeah. Just showing me like, you know, don't forget how amazing I am. Yeah, that's
0: right. And how I go before you and I will be providing yep. for you in every way even before you know, you're going to need that thing. Exactly. Okay. Well, we're edging into the next question, which is, mm-hmm. how did this change of you coming
1: into a, a relationship with Jesus affect your
0: life as a whole?
1: In so many ways. Mm-hmm. And actually, what's interesting now is that I'm an environmental consultant, and the the company that I work for, I used to work for, I used to work with those people in a different company, like fifteen years ago so they knew me pre-christianity and now i've come back to work with them and i'm christian and they can see the change in me that's when you kind of see how far you've come really Mm -hmm. in my approach to people my approach to projects and and my attitude to to various things i think everything from as little as i no longer have to read my horoscope no. doesn't matter that's true <laughs> You um, don't have to read your horoscope, and don't swear yeah um which in my industry is really it's a big differential mm. when people people notice that you don't swear mm. um so there's little things like that but then there's also things like prior to becoming a christian i would manage projects the same way that everybody else does In our company or in our world which is very kind of self-serving and I know you you lead by telling people what to do and Mm -hmm. being on time and and doing your job and everything and trying not to be a jerk about it but essentially not being that thoughtful um it's very task focused now coming to it from a position of faith and and approaching work through the lens of jesus um my project management is much more relational um, it's much more um, oh, yeah, servant-hearted. Is is such a, a, a sometimes it can just be thrown around such a lot. But essentially, it's kind of you know we're going to do well if yeah. as your leader I support you to do your job. It's more that kind of thing. Yeah. So being more I guess maternal about how I approach projects and, and people. And so I think there's there's lots of, and those are just the outward trappings. But there's lots of different ways. That I've changed on the inside that then affects how I do things on the outside.
0: Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess none of those visible changes would even be there if there hadn't actually been internal change already. Yeah. Um, yeah. C- certainly not in a sustained way, and we're talking now, you've been a Christian for still
1: not that long relative, I mean t- 20 years?
0: Yeah, but 20 years is a long time to sustain something that's not got roots and hasn't actually hit you to the core. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. How have you seen God working through your life
1: and impacting you then since? You know, in so many ways, in so many ways. And I think you tend to zone out the small stuff because especially in Australia, we get so used to being blessed in so many ways. Yes, that you actually become a bit blind to it, but then there's been some instances where there's been some really big moments where you just go, That's only come from God, but then it wakes you up to those smaller moments again. And I think the main point was my I'm a single mom, and my divorce five years ago was one of the darkest times in my whole life, Mm. and God was so close to me in those days, like it was incredible. There were things that happened in those times of uncertainty and darkness that were just incredible. Mm. And one, I guess, classic example was, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do to work or like, should I just go stack shelves? Should I just need to like, cause I just need to bring in money for the little people that I I need to care for. Yeah, And um, wasn't really qualified to do what I did prior to taking time off and having babies and so on. And I had coffee with a very dear friend, young adult from church, who, again, just dropped this little seed of a thought in my mind. I was just like, oh, maybe I should call so-and-so. Not for work, but just because they were always a sort of parental figure to me and I'm 12,000 miles away from, from my family. So I really needed some kind of parental figure yeah. And I called them just to say, you know, this is what's happened and I would really appreciate a coffee just to be around, to have a chat. Yeah. And he came back to me and went, what are you doing for work? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, uh, I have no idea. Yeah. And I said, but if you've got anything, I'm not really qualified to do what I do anymore, but I will empty the bins and I will make tea and I just need to start somewhere again. And he was like, I think we can do a bit better than that. Uh-huh. And he got me in on a, a six-month contract, which – basically sort of upskilled me again to where I was before and then from that got a job with the company that I'm with now who are a bunch of friends I used to work with 20 years ago and I again I look back on that and go god you are so amazing yeah like I had no idea what to do and it was almost like I'm going to send you for coffee with that random person from church and she's <laughs> going to give you this idea and then you're going to make that call and then they're going to call you back. And mm-hmm. it's just insane. And yeah. so then, not just that, but then then when COVID hit, my company had already got me working at home, set up completely with a home office because they're like, you're a single mom. You don't want to have the kids in before and after school care. Why don't we just set you up to work from home and then you can, you know, yeah. be, be around for them. COVID hits and I'm like, well, I'm already working at home. This is amazing you know, there was like zero transition for me and my job was secure and yeah you no know, just all the way through it's like cuz then i was like oh maybe that was his plan like he enabled me to stay and work and take care of the boys when covid hit because it was all just already happening yeah you no know? Amazing, but right? Yeah. Really big things, really big things.
0: Huge things, huge things. And I, I'd like to say, um, mostly for God to hear, but no one else got a heads up and a nice little gentle <laughs> landing into COVID. So um, what gives, hey?
1: Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I um, would, I would feel bad about that, but I kind of don't.
0: No, you should not feel bad about that. That's amazing. And I'm sure that there are many ways each of us actually can see how God cushions that whole experience for all of us. Yeah. Okay, so that's one of the ways that you see, or a few ways that you see God working Mm -hmm. through your life. Uh, What would you say
1: is your greatest joy then in being a Christian? You know, this happened the other day, and it happens really quite often is I do my quiet time in the morning. I read um, the Bible on repeat sort of every six months or so. Yeah. Um, and I do it in the morning now um, while the boys are having their breakfast so they can see and hear yeah. me praying and reading the Bible and stuff. Yeah. And every morning when I sit down at a dining table with my coffee and approach the Bible, I get this like little thrill, you know, and it's almost like, oh, thinking back to the, you know lovely days of romance and with your fiance and stuff is that little thrill that you get when you're when you get a text message from the person that you love that was the little feeling of thrill that i got when i approached the bible and it actually happens quite often where i go it's almost like what am i going to read today yeah and it's a real joy it's a real joy you know because you're it's not just like i'm a history nerd so i love the bible as a in and of itself yeah, as a historical document, but you're meeting God there, mm. and it, that's a, just a really exciting thing to me.
0: That is, and as you say, like you never know what message God's going to have for you each time you open His Word. You may have read the passage yeah. fifty times before, but yeah. in that space in that time, God's going to use it in some way in you, and yeah. all you have to do is show up and be expectant. I
1: know, right?
0: Amazing. Like it's really
1: we get the such the good end of the deal, like. All I have to do is show up. Yeah. Like, that yeah. seems a ridiculously easy end of the bargain.
0: I mean, it is. Let's be honest. It yeah. really is. It's like when uh, Triple M or any of those radio stations have their van out handing out prizes in various places and they'll tell you exactly where they are and all you have to do is show up.
1: Yeah. How, how many people don't even bother to show up still? I know. Like, isn't I know. that madness? It has to be like a a great ministry is just, you know, my spiritual gifting is just turning up, Yeah, being present.
0: Well, well, how many times though do we speak about the ministry of showing up to church and how amazingly huge it is because that is a a massive encouragement to the other people who
1: show up. What you bring. Yeah. You know, it's not what you get. It's what you bring by being there.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Do you have a favorite verse? This one might be really tricky, but you know, something that you carry with you and you really pull out and remind yourself of when things are hard or Mm. maybe you're just having a rough day.
1: You know, there are are several actually, but I think um, it's Psalm 27.4 and I'm just going to find it because I don't want to get it wrong, but um, Psalm 27.4, here it is. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hmm. And I I just love it. I love it because the idea of dwelling in his house just has such a calming influence on me, puts everything in perspective. Like no matter how crazy everything is, yeah, it's almost like, you know, Talks about the peace of God that transcends all understanding. That's the thing that brings me the, that peace of God is the, the idea of dwelling in this house forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great thought. Mm. If mm. you were going to give a piece of encouragement to
1: someone who didn't know Jesus yet, what would it be? That's a really good question. And I think the main, the main encouragement, I think, is that in the world, Without Jesus, you're only really as good as your last stuff up. Mm. There's very little room for redemption, for allowing people to learn and grow, particularly these days as we've moved more and more into cancel culture. It's just like, you're dead to me, that's it. Yeah. Whereas that's so opposite to mm. the Christian faith it is with Jesus, it's all about redemption and it's all about being better than your last stuff up. And, you know, because of course, we're always going to stuff up. Yeah. But it's about being better and recognizing it quicker and repenting faster and, and just getting better at, um, at recognizing those sinful patterns or those sinful behaviors. And I mm-hmm. think that's, that's the difference for me is that it's such a, a hopeless Position to be in in the world when you're only as good as your last stuff up. I mean, it's just such a stressful position to be in. It Absolutely. doesn't allow you to stuff up in the first place, and then when you do, you're you're dead. Yeah. Whereas under Jesus, it's like, oh, you stuffed up. Okay, do better. Yeah, it is. You know? Yeah. Don't just show show up and be present and get better, but it's really that kind of self analyze. But don't self analyze to the point of you know wearing yourself out. It's okay, just Guilt is a spur to repent and do better.
0: Yeah, that's right. And don't forget Mm. that there is grace. Yes. And often it's God's community who needs to help us see that grace and they have to show us by giving us grace themselves. But you're so right because, you know, in the media, obviously, People's point of reference whenever they introduce someone is their last stuff up. Like even watching MasterChef recently, there's one of the contestants has been completely labelled and every time he's mentioned for anything, they come back to this white chocolate. The
1: white chocolate velouté guy. Yes, (laughs) that's right. People don't even know know his name.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. There you go. See my point made. People know you for your last stuff up if you get into the media and Mm. it's so unforgiving. And yes. as Christians, it's easy for us to slip into that, I think, particularly when it comes mm. to leaders who stuff up. Yeah. And the Bible's clear. Leaders are held to a higher account. Yeah. But what we need to remember, though, is that our gospel is one of grace. And that includes yeah. leaders who we may remember most quickly, I guess, for their stuff up. Yeah. But, we, but we need to greet them with open hearts full of forgiveness yeah. and love.
1: Yeah. I think that's such a great word that you've picked out there is that it's unforgiving. Yeah. I think you've actually described it better than me, actually, <laughs> is that in without Jesus, it is, it's unforgiving. Whereas yeah. with Jesus, it's all about forgiveness and grace uh, and mercy.
0: Yeah. That's a great piece of encouragement for someone who doesn't mm. know Jesus yet. Mm. So how has your journey
1: then helped you to be more like Jesus? You know, it, I find that question so hard because it f- feels arrogant to say, oh, I'm getting so much more like Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, just sounds yeah. so like, oh. Although um, the question
0: is more like Jesus, not yes, exactly
1: like Jesus. Yeah. How's your Christ likeness? Well,
0: it's yeah. not that good.
1: <laughs> um, oh, look, I stumble and fall all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we all do.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I kind of. I mean, as I said before, it is interesting the the people that I work with now seeing me before and after as a as a reminder of how how much I've changed. Yeah. Um. And then, ha- how far then I've I've come. But I think a sign for me in terms of how far I'm going or how I'm doing is, I guess, the state of my emotional responses to things. Mm -hmm. Um, if I still find myself with a sort of knee jerk reaction to something, I go, oh, well, I'm still not like, I need to do better at that, but where I feel that I can have more of a a measured, uh, response, I feel like, okay, that's, that's more the kind of self-control. That's, that's more the, the integrity, I guess the, I think that's the area for me.
0: That's probably a really common one. I certainly know yeah when I find myself indulging in lots of you know surfing the internet looking for things I can buy, I know that my attention has been misdirected and I need yeah, to, yeah I need to get that right. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to look at it, Ruth.
1: Mm. in that sort of looking at people with more with more of an attitude of grace and love? Yeah, you know Grace and love, I don't know where they're coming from, so.
0: Yeah, which doesn't stop you having to deal with the emotional journey of that. But certainly once we're able to take stock of okay, this is how I'm yeah. feeling about it, but how do I need to respond?
1: Yes. To respond like Jesus then. It's yeah, that little tripwire, isn't it? To it stop is. yourself just, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Someone once said to me it's like it's like the strainer you put in your sink because it's that thing that catches you just before you let all the filth go yes. through and yeah. I was like oh that's so
1: good that's really good
0: <laughs> yeah it is really helpful well thank you so much for sharing with us about your journey with Jesus and how you came to know him and I'll be talking sure. with Ruth again very soon about the other part of her world which well it's not the only other part but another part of her world which is writing yeah. so you'll have that to look forward to until next time my friends take care